Everyone knows that there's a connection between menopause and hot flashes. There's so many other symptoms that are consequences of a lack of estrogen beyond night sweats, vaginal dryness, and bone loss. And joint pain is definitely on that list. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause midlife and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. It was a typical busy day, a waiting room jammed with patients, and I was trying to keep things moving since I had someone in labor and I knew I might have to dash out mid-office. My next patient was there for a hormone therapy consultation. I honestly don't remember her name, but I remember exactly what she looked like. And I remember the conversation. She was 55 years old, but I would have guessed she was in her 40s. She had started hormone therapy eight years prior, but had recently stopped using estrogen at her internist insistence. Like a lot of women, she was told she could only be on it for five years, which obviously is not based in science and isn't true. Anyway, she was miserable. Not with hot flashes, not with insomnia, but joint pain and stiffness. She said, look, I need to restart my estrogen. I couldn't even get the top off my bottle of water the other day. And my tennis game is pathetic. At that time, I'd only been in practice a few months. I was no expert in menopause or hormone therapy. I only knew what I'd learned during my training. In other words, pretty much nothing. And I was in a rush. So I told her that her joint pain had nothing to do with her going off estrogen and was likely a coincidence and she should probably see a rheumatologist. So she looked at me, shook her head and said, uh, yeah, I don't think so. She, of course, was right. And I was wrong. But it wasn't until years later that I knew that. Since becoming a menopause expert, I have seen countless women who've had significant joint pain when stopping their estrogen therapy, and I now appreciate the connection between estrogen, joint pain, and arthritis. But most people, including plenty of doctors, don't know it. Now, just to be clear, though, all joint pain during peri- or postmenopause is not from lack of estrogen. Joint pain can be a consequence of aging or rheumatologic disease, so any new onset or severe joint pain needs to be checked out. But since it can be a direct consequence of a decline in estrogen, I thought it worthy of a discussion. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Stephanie Fobian, the director of Mayo Clinic Center for Women's Health and chair of the Department of Medicine at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. She also serves as the medical director of the menopause society. And it did occur to me when I was getting ready to tape this, that the last time I hung out with Dr. Fobian is when we were in Portugal earlier this year, speaking at the world Congress on menopause. So while talking about stiff joints is not nearly as much fun as drinking Portuguese wine and hiking in Porta, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Welcome. Before we get started on this topic, you have a new book out. Tell me about the new book. Yeah, super exciting. Uh, we've been working on this for for the last uh, about year and a half or two years. And it's the new rules of menopause, a Mayo Clinic guide to perimenopause and beyond. Very exciting. That is exciting. But one of the challenges of a book is that things change so quickly in this world. And I have found that with my books, and you know, of course, you want to give information that's current, that's up to date. But you write something and then as it's going off to press, something new comes out and you sit there and you want to hit your head against the wall and say, okay, now what? But uh, but it is good that you have a new book. When did your last book come out? That's been a few years, right? 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's been a while. 
A lot has changed. A lot of new stuff, a lot of exciting stuff. Well, we're even speaking to a new generation now, right? So the last book was mostly baby boomers and now it's Gen X. And do you know that millennials turn 40, the oldest turn 42 this year? So we're actually talking. So they're right in the thick of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I will put the link to the book in in the program notes and it's very exciting and congratulations. So so let's chat about joints and bones and achiness and all of that, because it's we talk about vaginal dryness and half lashes all the time, but this is a big issue for a lot of women. So what is the relationship between all that achiness and estrogen and menopause? I don't really think we've figured it totally out yet, but, but think about it this way. We have estrogen receptors throughout our whole body. They're in every tissue and organ system in the body. So they're on the bones, um, they're in the joints. And so when you withdraw estrogen, like what happens at menopause, I think it's just like you can get that aching associated with an aromatase inhibitor, which blocks estrogen completely. That's one of the most common symptoms is joint aches. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of happening when we go through menopause naturally as you you sort of get a withdrawal from those from the estrogen on those receptors and, and you get achy joints. The, the point that you just made though is so important that when people think about estrogen, they think about the vagina, they think about the vulva, they think about the reproductive organs, but there are estrogen receptors everywhere, including the brain, our bones, and in the joints. Do we know, is it is it the bone itself? Is it the cartilage? What, what seems to be most impacted by the loss of estrogen? I don't think we really know that. I mean, have yeah. you seen anything on that? Absolutely nothing. But the only thing that makes me think that when it comes to achiness, that it's more the cartilage than the bone, is that there is a relationship between being more symptomatic as far as arthritis. And arthritis is really about the cartilage more than it is the bones. So we don't know, but it you know makes you wonder if maybe that's the bigger issue when it comes to achiness. Not that cartilage more is more important than bone, but as far as this particular symptom. Well, that may make sense because it happens so abruptly. And, and again, with women on the estrogen blockers, they get it almost immediately. So that's not going to be a change in bone, I wouldn't think. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the other thing that we see so quickly that you and I have both heard about from our patients is if a woman goes off her hormone therapy for whatever reason, you know, we warn them, okay, your hot flashes might come back and your vaginal dryness might come back. But it's pretty rare that we warn them about achiness in their joints. But don't you find a lot of women come to you and say, Dr. Fobian, are you kidding? Why didn't you tell me that my joints were going to start to ache? Absolutely. And if you think about it, I, I see this all the time. I don't know if you do, but women who are going through menopause get diagnosed with fibromyalgia Mm-hmm. all the time. And I am not totally convinced that it's really fibromyalgia because I think it just may be the joint achiness associated with menopause. And I think that corresponds to a time that is more common to be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. But I, you know, I hesitate to call anything fibromyalgia right around menopause. That's such a good point. And, and if they don't respond to hormone therapy, if they choose to go that route, then maybe you can start to look at, at other right. things. But do you ever have the experience because I know I have of women who go off their hormone therapy and then their achiness is so bad that they go right back on. I think that goes into the general, I don't feel good, bad quality of life. You know, that's one of the reasons that we let women go back on hormone therapy is all of a sudden they just feel terrible when they're off it. And I think that's one of the primary drivers of it, to be honest. 
So I'd love your opinion on this one. You know, you and I both know that estrogen is not FDA approved for the treatment of aching joints. But having said that, if you see a woman who comes to you and says, I don't have hot flashes, I don't have vaginal dryness, I'm sleeping just fine, but my joints are aching like crazy, would you put that woman on hormone therapy? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, that's I know going, it's a tough one. I don't ask the easy ones. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, it, yes, if she's that bothered by uh, by it from a quality of life standpoint, we what's it going to hurt to try it for three months and see if it works? And that would answer the question, right? So then we would know if it was a hormonal driver or if it wasn't. Um, and and really, at the end of the day, women experience a wide variety of symptoms related to menopause. And and if hormone therapy helps those get better, I'm all for including, you know, beyond hot flashes and night sweats in, in the symptoms that estrogen can can manage. But what that speaks to is our comfort level with hormone therapy. You know, so many people have this idea that it's that it's dangerous or that it's going to cause problems or that you only give it if someone just can't manage their symptoms another way. And for menopause experts who understand hormone therapy and appreciate that for the majority of women, not only is it effective, but it's safe that it, it makes it a lot easier for us to, to write those prescriptions. So I think I know the answer to my next question. You know, we talk about quality of life, but what about if it's someone's actual livelihood? You know, the pianist who comes to you and says, I'm 47 years old and I can't perform because suddenly I go through menopause and my hands are so stiff. Are you going to give that woman hormone therapy to see if suddenly she'll be able to perform again? Again, I think it's worth a trial. I mean, you're going to find out pretty quickly if it really is menopause or if it's, you know, she just got hand arthritis, yeah. which is also entirely possible. But it, yeah, I, I would try it. So let's talk about specifically which joints might be most affected. Do we know which joints are affected? And, and in your clinical practice, what kinds of things have you seen as far as joint issues post-menopause that you would attribute as best as you can to menopause as opposed to someone who's played too much tennis? Yeah, this is interesting. I know we had a conversation with this before about this before the show. It's not so much what I see in my clinical practice, but what I've seen in the literature so far has been Carpal tunnel seems to be more common. Also, frozen shoulder seems to more, be more common in women after menopause. But I wonder if that's just because those are the things that we've looked at. Mm -hmm. um, and I have doubts that that other things are necessarily excluded. But I think those seem to be kind of the upper extremity complaints um, have been what I've seen. What is your experience well, with that? I I've seen a lot of stuff in the hands. But of course, that's where people are most aware because if they suddenly can't open a jar and they're having trouble yeah. just using their hands. What I have not seen that I looked around a little bit, but I'm wondering about is back pain. So many women no. yeah. have back pain. And we know that, of course, osteoporosis can result in compression fractures in the spine. But uh, this is this is different. And I think that that's something that I we need to emphasize is if someone is having achy joints, a lot of women will come to me and say, I'm worried that I have osteoporosis because suddenly I'm having all this joint pain. So what mm -hmm. do you tell women who, who come to you and say that? Osteoporosis doesn't hurt unless you actually break something. So osteoporosis, as you know, is painless until you have a problem with it. So if you're having achy joints, we, we need to look somewhere else other than at how dense your bones are. Right. And by the same token, when I say to someone, I recommend that you have a baseline bone density test and they'll say, no, no, I don't have any joint pains. I feel fine. Yes. And, and emphasizing that, that osteopenia is silent. Yeah. And, and osteoporosis is silent. So while we see them often together, 
together, we're really talking about two separate issues here, talking about aching joints, more like arthritic sorts of things, as opposed to actual bone loss, which is completely, completely different. You know, we know about all this stuff, of course, but don't you find that most physicians honestly don't know about this connection? That if you were to go to your typical doctor and say, do you think that achiness that women experience have anything to do with menopause or estrogen? Most of them have no idea. Would look at you blankly. Yes. Yeah. 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 But keep in mind that most physicians aren't educated about menopause, let alone, you know, something more, a little more esoteric, like the joint pain associated with it. And again, this gets back to why are so many women diagnosed with fibromyalgia around the time of menopause? I think it's because they go in complaining of joint aches. Joint aches and that maybe they're not sleeping. They're tired. They're tired. (laughs) Exactly. The fatigue is overwhelming and they walk in the door and say, my joints are killing me. I'm tired. I'm tired and I can't think clearly and boom. You know, you, you put that in the algorithm and, and fibromyalgia pops up in, in instead of menopause. Exactly. So while we're on the topic of overwhelming fatigue, I want to switch gears for a minute. A few months ago, you were my guest on this podcast and we talked about sleep apnea and how common that is postmenopausally. And I think also when we think in terms of symptoms that people are not very aware of that are directly related to menopause, what is the connection between menopause and sleep apnea? Yeah, great question. Um, The reading that I've done on this shows there's probably several things. So it's probably the weight gain, which is probably more associated with aging than menopause per se, but women tend to gain weight around this time, which is a huge factor with regard to sleep apnea risk. But also um, we tend to lose estrogen and our airways get a little floppier. So the support in the airway um, changes after menopause with the loss of estrogen, and then we get the increased weight there. So it's, I think it's a combination of things. I do think menopause plays a role. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we think about our skin getting kind of floppy, but who thinks about their airway? Everything gets a little floppier. Is If someone has sleep apnea and is not taking hormone therapy, and if they start hormone therapy, is that going to decrease their need for using CPAP or needing treatment to their CPAP? I I have seen a small study that did show maybe some benefit, um, but I don't think that's going to be the answer for the majority of women. I think weight loss has got to be probably the number one thing that we target to help with sleep apnea after menopause. Really, what I hear you saying is that the number one reason that women have sleep apnea postmenopause is because of the weight gain. And then the floppiness of their airway just kind of pushes them over the edge. It's that last little tipping point so that the the big action step should be to get to a healthy Manage weight. weight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you are at higher risk because of the floppy airway. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. So another thing menopause gives you, right? I'm just <laughs> the list keeps getting longer and longer. And that's why it's so important that we talk about these less common symptoms. All right. So let's get back to those stiff, achy joints. If someone's having achy joints, they might have something that has nothing to do with menopause. A hundred percent. I mean, let's let's remember that that women get other diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, which has a second peak um, after menopause. So, yeah, th- let's think about that. Like, why exactly. would they have a second peak after menopause? But but anyway, they do. Now, one article that I came across that I shared with you because I thought it was just really so interesting was there was a study of women who'd had joint replacement, specifically knee and hip joint replacement, 
And they found that there was a 40% reduction in the revision rate that was needed if estrogen was started right after their joint replacement. This was news to me. Had you heard anything about this? No, I hadn't. And I found this to be fascinating as well. And it was really interesting. So wasn't it the longer the duration of hormone therapy, the less likely they were to have a replacement or revision? That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, super interesting. Hormone therapy for greater than six months, they were 40% less likely. Whereas if they had it for greater than 12, they were 52% less likely to have a joint revision. Yeah. So, so interesting. I mean, I think... I'm not sure that's practice changing right there. Like uh, like you're going to start someone on hormone therapy at the time of a joint replacement, but it's thought provoking uh, it, for it's sure. It's thought provoking. And I can guarantee you that the orthopods know nothing about this. It's actually kind of amazing yeah. that this study was even done. But the other thing is, is that when you go in for a joint replacement, what's the first thing they tell you? Stop, Stop your, your estrogens. Yeah, right, exactly. And if you're using a transdermal estrogen so that we're not worried about an increased risk of blood clots, which can occur during any immobilization or surgery, maybe that's not such a good idea. I don't expect the orthopods to get on board with that, but it is certainly in- Well, even, I mean, I guess right in the perioperative timeframe is probably different than a month later, but but I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know. This is very interesting. Interesting. And I wonder if it has to do with the healing process too. So revision would imply that something- didn't quite heal right or failed to take or something like that. But we know estrogen can help with wound healing. So I wonder if it has anything to do with that. I suspect that's a big part of it. There are women, of course, who are having these achy joints and they're either not candidates for hormone therapy or they choose not to go that route. So do you want to comment on some of the other things that might contribute to achy joints and things that women might do so they're not aching quite so much? Getting enough sleep is one. We all ache if we're not sleeping right. Making sure your vitamin D levels where it should be because aching can be a sign of, of low vitamin D and getting exercise. So women's first reaction is to not exercise when you're not feeling great, but you know, actually moving more can help your joints. Yeah. Other thoughts on that? Oh, I agree. And the other thing that, that I think bears mentioning is particularly when it comes to knee joints, that for women who are well above an ideal or healthy body weight, they're putting a lot of extra pressure on their joints. The other thing is paying attention to ergonomics. You know, Mm -hmm. women very often will be spending a lot of time sitting at a desk, hunched over at the keyboard, And even just simple, small changes in the way someone stands, how they're typing, how they're holding themselves is going to make a big difference in terms of just general achiness. I know for me, right now, I don't know about you, I'm standing right now. I stand a lot when I'm working and I'm very careful about where I put my keyboard and my line of vision because when I don't, I'm really aching later in the day. It's interesting. Yeah. And another thing would be, you know, to protect those knees, you need to keep your thigh muscle strong. So, so making sure that you maintain your squats. muscle strength. Yes. Yeah, squats are good for so many things. Okay, you're going right? to laugh, but this is true. When I brush my teeth in the morning and at night, I do squats. Oh, I got a visual on this. this I know. It's hard to be hard to husband, get out of my it head. It makes him crazy. He walks in the bathroom and he like shakes his head and goes, oh my God, she's at it again. But I'm just standing there brushing my teeth. So I figure, okay, I'm a multitasker. I get in 100 squats a day. I do 50 in the morning. When no, I brush that's fantastic. I at night. But that's, that is I think it's stuff like that because who has time to like really exercise? So you find ways to incorporate these things in, in, into your daily schedule. 
<laughs> but, but this has been great. Thank you so much for your insight. And again, congratulations on the book. And I will put all that information in the program notes. And you know that I will be calling on you in the future to talk about more things like this. Well, thanks. And let's not forget menopause.org. The Menopause Society is a great resource for people to find uh, a certified menopause practitioner near them. Absolutely. To wrap up, there's definitely a connection between joint aches and estrogen. But if suddenly you can't open a jar or have a significant change in joint pain, it still needs to get checked out since there are other rheumatologic conditions unrelated to menopause that may be responsible. If you stop hormone therapy and suddenly have achy joints, you're not imagining it. So even if hot flashes are no longer an issue, osteoarthritis or generalized achy joints should impact on a decision to stop taking hormones and goes under the heading of why some women should never stop taking hormone therapy. As I discussed in episode 67, there's no general rule for stopping your estrogen and the recommendation to routinely discontinue systemic hormone therapy in women aged 65 and older is neither supported by evidence or is recommended by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists or the Menopause Society. Something to think about if you have arthritis and some doctor tells you it's time to stop your hormone therapy. While frozen shoulder and carpal tunnel have specifically been mentioned in the scientific literature, other joints are also affected. Achy joints are not an indication of osteoporosis, and the absence of achy joints doesn't mean you don't have osteoporosis. Hormone therapy will generally help with those achy joints, and both Dr. Phobian and I agree that starting hormone therapy for that reason is reasonable, even if that's your only symptom. And if you're undergoing joint replacement, estrogen therapy appears to have a significant positive impact on the likelihood of needing a revision. And finally, there are other things beyond estrogen that impact on those stiff, achy joints. So that's it for today. There's so many other symptoms and repercussions that are related to a lack of estrogen that are just not commonly discussed. And I'm going to do my best to get to them all. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. See the light, now I'm sleeping through the